Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Come on, girls. Let's go shopping. That's not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. What are you looking at? Don't look at a boy jumping me. You're mad, you bastard. On this particular episode, I catch up with the director of the new documentary, Happy Sad Man, Genevieve Bailey. This is a film which I've called the most important film you'll see this year, and I stand by that. Uh, of course, I stand by my, my words. I think this is a really beautiful documentary. It's about a group of men uh, who don't know each other, and they all have mental health issues. And this is a film about how they manage with it and how they deal with it. And it's just absolutely beautiful. I love it. I've seen it three times and I'll probably see it a fourth time tomorrow night. I, I think this is a, just a joyous, wonderful, hopeful documentary. And I think that's the one thing I take away from this film. It's, it's hopeful. It makes me feel better about um, living with depression and anxiety. It makes me feel better about living with a mental illness. It makes me feel better about knowing that, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. Uh, you're going to have dark days, you're going to have really some bad days and difficult moments. Um, but you know what? It's going to be okay if you have the right support and you look after yourself and you care for yourself. And that's what this documentary is about. It's about understanding, respecting the um, you know, the, the, the difficulties of living with a mental illness, but also for people who have a family member or a partner or a sibling or son, daughter, parent, whoever. If they have somebody in their life who is struggling with a mental illness, then Happy Sad Man gives you a few pointers to help you out along the way. And I think that we need more films like this. And I think that we need more directors like Genevieve out there. I, I really enjoyed talking to her and really enjoyed spending time with her and finding out about her process about making this film and also the difficulties about it as well. Anyway, let's have a quick listen to the trailer and be back with that particular interview. What do you want to ask? What do you want to tell? When I think of masculinity, I often think about a weight of having to be a particular way. I don't know if it gives you the freedom to be yourself. What guys will do, they'll make sure the car's right, they'll make sure the plumbing's right on the shed, they'll do all that stuff, but they don't do anything for themselves. I'm so much happier in conflict zones than I am actually being in normal society. 
it seemed like I've just had this fun kind of life, but when things went real bad, I'd lost all sense of reality. If you met 25-year-old John Anderson, would you hang out with him? Well, that's a good question for anyone, isn't it? Would you, would you hang out with yourself? When I'm up, I'm so bulletproof. But when you're down, you can actually see what you're doing in it. <laughs> and that's depressing. I walk alone. <laughs> Me and my thoughts. I will walk from Preston into town. I'll do the People tell me I look alright I'm looking healthy They say, hey, it's nice to see you We'll have to stay in touch Alright, so let's jump into this I won't take up too much No worries Great, yeah um, So first question, I guess, is how are you doing? Because, <laughs> like You've been around touring this film and it's a pretty, you know, it's a film that's about some deep things. Yeah. And you're in the film too and you've directed it and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so how are you doing? <laughs> it's interesting. It's, um, I'm not so used to people asking me that because I'm always the one yeah. asking people that. But in the last couple of screenings, the last few days, people have been asking me that and I start laughing because I'm like, huh, <laughs> true. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's got to be exhausting. Yeah, like, well, I think... Someone was asking me how I like how it felt making it, and I said, to be honest, it's almost as though releasing it is a bit more intense than making sure. it. Um, and I think I knew that. I knew that making it, that when this film was released, it's going to elicit all sorts of um, responses of people that I, I think are important, and that's what I want the film to do is to start mm. conversations. But yeah, it is. It is. It's very moving. But if you had like one screening or two, and then, but it's actually because I'm doing it pretty much every day. Yeah. and travelling around the country meeting people for these really short periods of time and hearing very personal um, stories from audiences who share things. It's, it's really moving. Um, and I've I'm, I'm actually been taking photos of people writing their reflections down. Oh, that's good, paper yeah. Because then I can kind of capture it and reflect on it more yeah. than... It's like I said to someone a few days ago at a screening, it's like when someone gets married or the bride or groom or they say, oh, I feel like I didn't really get to talk to anyone. It yep. goes so quickly. It does feel a bit like that because um, people usually stick around for at least an hour afterwards yeah. to talk, which is really nice. Well, I think that's the thing. Like when I watched it, you know, I pretty much wrote my review as soon as I watched it yeah. because I was like, the film gives you this feeling of like, I need to release. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. a, it's, a, it's a really, it's, you know, it's a sad film in some ways, but it's a very positive film and it's very, you know, there's a lot of amusing parts in it. But yeah that feeling at the end of just this release and that's when you know I was seeing you going around doing all these Q&A's I'm like gosh I can I know having done Q&A's before and having been in audiences yeah. what it's like to have people yeah. just offload on you and as you're saying you know if they're doing it for a whole hour like that's got to be intense yeah <laughs> it is intense and I think that's why um timing wise you know we've been doing film festivals we started at MIF and then we did Antenna and we did Adelaide and it was kind of a nice like um way to kind of get it out to start with and then the theatrical release I knew was going to be far more intense so yeah. I'm glad that we sort of timed it around now October, November with Mental Health Month and whatnot gave us 
time you know this year to sort of get prepared and yeah which is really good so how long did it take you to film it as well and yeah so the earliest interviews um so the film was finished in 2018 mm-hmm. and the earliest interviews are with johnny um from 2011 right so a seven year period yeah uh, and then jake and and david i started shooting from about 2012 2013 grant 2014 and then ivan was the last one that i started filming so it's quite a long period of time yeah does that kind of give you a bit of a chance to breathe in between interviews and moments when you're spending with the, the guys? Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, I, I didn't want it to be a snapshot in someone's life in like a month, mm-hmm. over a month or a week. And of course, I could still capture really interesting stories in a short period of time, but I really wanted the audience to feel like they got to know these guys on a much um, deeper level over a longer period of time to see you know, dips and ups and down and life events unfolding. Yeah. Um, more so than just like a magazine style, you know, quick, yeah. like dip into the Four lives. page of, spread or something yeah. like that. And yeah, yeah. that's it. And, and you do certainly get the ability to sit with them and understand who they are. And, and I think that's why it, you know, it works so much for me because you're not just getting, all right, we're going to spend one day with these guys. You're yeah. getting a glimpse into their lives. And, yeah. And it's really important and powerful. Um, Thank you. Why did you choose to do this film? <laughs> I feel like there's so many ways I could answer that. Yeah. One of them is that um, going back to when I released I'm 11, my last feature documentary, my first one, I did my first one, um, that I made. When I was releasing it around the world, going to festivals and then screening it theatrically, um, I was really interested in, in, I mean, it was very well received and it was really interesting to see, like, oh, people are really coming out in huge numbers to see this film, which is mm. obviously what, what I dream, dreamt of. But a lot of the time I realised, what is it that's making people connect with this? And I think it was the fact that the film was hopeful, there was joy in it, and lots of the time, whether it's fiction or documentary cinema, there's, there's actually fewer... If you look at what's on, there's actually fewer options mm. for things that are joyful. And so um, we also had some people come and sort of explain that they were able to really enjoy the film because it helped them like experience childhood in a way that they didn't because they were victims of um, abuse, which is a really intense thing yeah. to think that people could kind of reconnect with their inner child watching the film and, and feel joy. And so I started thinking about our childhood and how it impacts on our adult lives and, and Johnny being one of my best friends is at once the happiest and saddest guy I've met. And I sort of thought, well, John has such a unique ability to really express what's going on and he's such a wordsmith and he's, he's funny and confronting and I thought I want to make a bigger project with John. So looking back, it was actually at the premiere of I'm 11 in 2011 at MIFF that someone said what are you going to make next and I said I'm going to make a film called Happy Sad Man and so I just I just knew that's what I had to do and I thought I could make a whole film about Johnny but I had these other men in my life like Jake and David and I thought I think it's important to show diverse images of men on screen because often I think that the sort of men that rule our countries you know quotation mark or make big decisions for our our culture or environment they're not the sort of guys I'd want to hang out with yeah and so I thought, well, these are the sort of guys I hang out with. I want to put their stories on the big screen because actually I think they will resonate with quite a diverse oh, range of people. Yeah. And I just had that um, belief that, that, that it was worth doing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't think it would take as long as it did, um, but I also say that documentaries take as long as they need to take and I've learned to be patient. And I'm 11, if I had have made that in a year, then heaps of the kids that are in it would never have been in it because I shot it over six years. Yeah. So. So what's the challenges then as a documentarian in Australia? Like, how do, you, how do you approach a project and say, this is what I want to do, I don't know how long it's going to take me? Yeah. Um, 
how do you do that? Yeah. Well, I think like I've been known for saying 50% is for me is making the work and 50% of the job is making sure people see the work. And I think so many great films get made in Australia or anywhere that screen a couple of times and that's it. Mm-hmm. And they don't really um, get the exposure that they deserve. And so for me, when I was making this film, um, I knew I was going to have to invest, you know, a certain amount, quite a huge amount um, independently to get it up off the ground um, because more and more now um, people need to see proof of concept more than just a you know, treatment or a teaser. They want to see more than that to get a really good sense of what the project can be. Um, and so we pitched the film at Good Pitch um, in 2015 mm-hmm. um, where we were one of six projects selected to pitch at the Sydney Opera House to a room full of people. So I'd been yeah, making the film for you know quite a while before then and then pitched the film and was really happy to get a great response from audiences who wanted to either invest by funding the film or uh, as cultural partners. So say in Australia and Black Dog Institute and people like this who, who saw my pitch and said, yeah, this film needs to be made and they could they had seen my previous work so they sort of said, yeah, we want to back this project. So knowing that when the film would be finished it wouldn't just be us on our own putting it out there, it would be organisations like that who have a, who are working in the front line and really have a vested interest in making sure that the film is responsible as well. I mm. think it's a thing, like the trust involved in people sharing their stories um, is a big yeah, a big thing for me, making sure that all the guys are proud of it. Yeah, and in that regard as well, what kind of discussions did you have once the once you had a working print? Yeah. Um, did you present it to the organisations or did you present um, it to the guys as well? Yeah, I did a number of test screenings. So at the end of the day, um, the organisations were there um, and watched test screenings, but it wasn't like they had editorial control or anything. Mm-hmm. It was more just that I wanted to make sure the film was responsible and there wasn't anything in there that, for example, a psychologist would say this could be problematic to have yeah. um, for audiences but also for the men. So I showed the guys, um, you know, the film before it was finished and I also just did test screenings with random people, people I knew, people in the film industry, people who were not, um, just to get feedback because I think once the film's finished, you don't want the feedback then because you can't change it. So, um, I mean, you do want feedback, but as in, if you want to tweak stuff, you've got to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm a bit unusual, I guess, in a way in that I'm really open to feedback and some of my filmmaker friends would be like, oh, why are you showing people? I'm like, well, because I want to know what's working and what's not working. Um, so if there was anything in it that the guys were really uncomfortable um, at the time of shooting if anyone said don't shoot this or I don't want this captured I would respect that and likewise if the edit was presented and they were really uncomfortable with anything um, I wouldn't just go ahead and use it anyway so yeah yeah and and that's the thing like there's some pretty intense moments in the film yeah um, I won't say for people who haven't seen yet but yeah I imagine that would have been difficult that kind of you know, footage would have been difficult to decide whether you're yeah. going to present somebody going to hospital or yeah. not. Like that's it. That's a hard choice to show. For sure. And I wasn't filming. Um, I wasn't filming at that time. Yeah. And then um, an old friend of John's, someone he's known for like, I don't know, nearly 50 years, um, came around, and John was staying at my house, and I'd called the cap team, and they'd come out, and we were talking, and and then his friend said, "Why aren't you filming now?" And John sort of muttered, "Yeah, where's your camera?" And I thought, like. I can't film now but then John and his friend actually said well this is actually probably helpful to people to see because this is real life what's going on and I thought yeah well that's true so with John's permission I filmed and then again wanted him to have the time once he was feeling better if again if he had said I don't want anyone seeing that then I wouldn't have used it yeah yeah Yeah. I'm like it's it's a as saying it's a difficult moment but I'm glad that's in there Mm. because I think that 
one of the questions that I've certainly uh, seen raised in the past about people who are living with mental health problems yeah. and how do they approach going to hospital and yeah. what, what is the steps of that and yeah. it's something that's so often just written down and you know people can read it and yeah. get an understanding but to actually see it take place and to have you there support as well is it's really important to show that having support is a is a major thing i mean i at the time when we la- i mean i was kind of laughing at the time as well as now because this hospital staff would say or the cat team people who would come out would say and are you his caseworker and i go no they go oh are you how are you what's because they look at you and they go what's happening like what's the how do we how are you connected mm. And um, and they often say, "Are you family?" And and at the hospital, they said, "Are you family?" Because they wanted to check it was all right for me to be in there and hearing what's happening. And and John said, "Yeah, she's better than family." And then I was able to say, "Okay, the last time he was hospitalised was this long ago. The last time he was medicated was 21 years ago. And last time this happened, this." And and then they looked at me and they were like, they were kind of wondering, "How do you how do you know all that?" Yeah. And I was like, I feel a bit like Rain Man being on list of all the dates, <laughs> but because John's my friend and because I've heard his story so many times plus I've been documenting it but I thought what about people who present on their own and not really able to verbalise because John at that point despite him usually being super articulate he, he was really not well he yeah. was sort of in such a distressed state he just sort of said to me I'm handing over to you and um, I did sort of drop everything and I remember some people saying to me well it's not really your responsibility and I think for me that was challenging because I thought I'm making this film about how we need to be there for each other and how can we better do it and then when these things happen you do get people saying well it's not really your problem and I know there's a lot of people who you know think like that but for me I just thought we especially when when John was in that state like we need to advocate for each other yeah because the hospital staff um I we both found them really good and that's why you know you see in the film I say what do you think of those guys and John liked them because his experience 20 years prior wasn't positive and it's also, you know, whilst we don't want to go into listing, you know, too much about that side of things, um, often when I do Q&As, I probably will mention it tonight. Like, I mentioned about hairdressers. Like, I don't spend a lot of time or money on my hair. I'm not really into it. Like I said, I don't, you know, just whatever, get a trim. Yeah. But if you were really into haircuts and you got a haircut and it was really bad, you just wouldn't go back to that hairdresser. Yeah. And we talk about um, doctors, whether it's GPs or psychologists or psychiatrists or counsellors or anything, and there's heaps of them. And if you have a negative experience, like David and Grant have, some people wouldn't go back. But we talk about the fact that you've got to know that it's okay to like keep shopping around until you find someone you do connect with. Yeah. Um, so just these pieces of information that I think I've learned through making the film, I thought, oh, there's so much that I want to share that's just really, it's practical. Like yep. it's actually really straight in the line. And as you say, you can read this sort of stuff, but seeing it, but also seeing the light and shade and seeing the humour and the fun times and the you know different aspects of these guys lives remind you that that's one part of someone's life and yes in an acute distressing state it can be all-encompassing but actually john you know lives with all sorts of um you know ups and downs and um yeah 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 well i mean that's the thing is like for me it's a film that it's a guidance film not just for people who are living living with mental health uh issues but it's for people who don't understand or or maybe think that they understand and it just gives them the extra kind of um not tools but i mean there are certainly tools in the film but the impetus to go all right well i can understand this and i've got a better understanding of how my friend brother husband whoever is uh managing it and that i think that's the most important part of it that was a big goal for me was um having something that not only can help people better identify in themselves their needs um, but also 
had it better be there for other people because mm. as Dave Rastovich, the surfer, says in that scene with Grant, like we've got a culture of saying you've got to be there for your mates, you've got to have their backs, but what does it actually look like? And so I think, um, yeah, for me, I'm really proud that, that the guys sharing their stories can give people some insights into having more compassion for themselves but also other people. Yeah. We had a, we've had a number of people in audiences who put their hand up and say, you know, Johnny or someone in the film reminds me of my dad or my brother or someone I've never really understood and found them quite annoying and now I feel I want to have more compassion and I want to reconnect with them and I want to try and understand them better and a woman on the weekend in the Blue Mountains said that the film made her understand her daughter's depression better. So these are people living with adult children and mm. I think, isn't it amazing in an hour and a half? Like it's, you know, it's um, pretty powerful when people are sharing their truth, the fact that it can have that quick, yeah, quick impact. Yeah on people so um well i mean that's one of the best things about documentaries i love documentaries because they have that ability to distill something so yeah. uh, important and powerful into a 90 minute film yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah look i can't thank you enough for this movie because oh. it, it is such a it's just a wonderful film and oh, thank you you know as you're saying before it's there's an importance to it being happy like there's yeah. an importance to it not being a dark film like, well, every time there was an opportunity for humor in the edit if we were trying to trim things down and shorten things I was always like we're not cutting out that scene with David at home we're not cutting out like any any bits where I feel like it could elicit laughter because one of my favorite things in the world is first of all to sit in a cinema full of people watching yeah. something I've made but actually to hear them laugh out loud like I you, you'll see it tonight I always stay for the first like 15 20 minutes of the film to hear all the laughter mm. because then I kind of go out have a chopped up or do whatever and then come back for the last 15 minutes of the yeah, film yeah. Um, and I'm just really lucky to have worked with Nick Huggins again the composer who wrote the score yeah. for my other films and um, that final song It's Really Nice to See You which he sings with Lisa Mitchell yeah. it just gets me every which is time. a beautiful song I was listening yeah, to yeah. it before and I was yeah. like oh it's so lovely yeah. it is well, they were going to play it on the interview I was just mindful yeah. I should probably go in there yes yeah, they yeah. Asked we'll wrap me to up come now in, um, they want me to be on air at um, five past instead of past or whatever it was but um but yeah to work with nick as well was such a close collaboration because nick is actually friends with johnny too so he was really you know more than just a composer he actually was really passionate about the whole um piecing together of the story and yeah yeah well i think that's a great way to wrap up i'm excited to watch it again tonight yeah because you haven't watched it with an audience i haven't no i watched it with my no i watched it at home oh no 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 i did sorry no i watched it at home uh with screener link and then i also watched it at a press screening a couple of weeks ago which was really nice yeah so i have seen it on the big screen and and i sat all the way over by the wall as well so at the end i you know had tears (laughs) running (laughs) i was like i waited until everybody else left so i could but yeah i've seen it twice so this will be my third time oh cool okay well you'll see more things people like my mum's seen it about five times now and she said oh is there new stuff there's stuff that wasn't in it before I said no it's the same she's on it and then even Jake's dad has come a few times and Jake's dad and mum said oh this is a different one there's new things I said no no. but it's, there's a lot going on in an hour and a half big, so. yeah and because you're digesting it all yeah, it's, yeah. it's got to sink in so, yeah, yeah exactly yeah awesome cool thank you very much thank you and thank you again so yeah, that was uh, director Genevieve Bailey talking about her documentary Happy Sad Man, which is a film which I hope I conveyed in that interview that I absolutely love. I think it's a beautiful film and it's helped me a lot in the past few weeks and I hope that it helps a lot of other people out there, a lot about other men out there uh, who are finding it difficult to talk about their mental health or difficult to talk about how they're feeling or being open. I think that this film... I'm not going to say that it's going to solve problems or change the world or anything like that, but 
if there's more of this out there, then it might make things a little bit easier for some people out there. And that's important. And I thank Genevieve for making this film. And I thank the guys in the film for, for sharing their stories as well. It means a lot to have uh, people willing to be vulnerable in an open space. And there's no more space that is vulnerable than a cinema where your story is being told to a crowd that you don't know, a crowd of strangers. And that's, that's a difficult thing. And it's uh it's powerful that, you know, that this is a, able to happen. Um, if you are interested in finding out about the film and head over to the website, which is happysadman.org and find out about how you can uh, watch the film and also uh, ideally find out about how you can host screenings as well. And there's a real push to try and get this film into the, the areas that films don't usually end up. Uh, certainly I was talking to somebody after the screening tonight and the Perth screening, the first Perth screening um, where they were talking about, the need to have a film like this shown in the mining sector where there is a lot of people who take their lives um, in the mining sector and if you know anybody who does work in mining or or needs assistance in that way or might benefit from a film like this then please head over to the website as I was saying happysadman.org and try and organize a screening help help them out uh, it's certainly a film that encourages openness and, and encourages uh being more aware and uh, of those who are in need and you know this is a there's a there's a terrible stat which is that um, if you're a man between the age of 15 and 44 uh, well the biggest cause of death is suicide now I'm 35 and that's a terrifying thing to hear it's terrifying that people my age men my age are taking their lives in such a way um and that's hard, you know, and that's why we need films like Happy Sad Man. It's it's why we need people like the guys that are in this documentary. Um, and if you are dealing with difficult things or, or mental health problems, then give Lifeline a call, 13 11 14. Uh, they've helped me in the past, and I know that they've helped a lot of people out there. There was a lot of um, difficulties with things uh, in life, and Lifeline is there as a tool to help people. Uh, also, there's the men's line as well, which is one three hundred seven eight nine nine seven eight. Beyond Blue is one three hundred two two four six three six, and the suicide callback service is one three hundred six five nine four six seven. And I'll repeat the Lifeline line again as well. It is one three one 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 four. And hey, thanks for listening again to this episode. Uh, I, I want to stress one thing as well about Happy Sad Man is that, yeah, okay, it's about mental health and mental illness, but it is still a film which, you know, I've watched it three times now and at the end of this viewing, I still feel exactly the same as I did on the first viewing. Hopeful. It, it leaves you with hope and that's important. And it's not a deep, dark film. It does talk about darkness. It talks about um, depressing subject matter. But it, it's not a film that you walk away from feeling heavy or depressed after watching it. And that's a real skill or talent that Genevieve's got to be able to do this with a story like this. And, and I take my hat off to her. I I'm, applaud her for this because it's a... Uh, it's brilliant. It really is. And, uh, and you know, there, there are a lot of laughs in this film. Um, and that's, that's the thing is that, you know, 
it may be the person that you least expect who is going through the most difficult things. And having an understanding of what to look out for or to respect and understand um, is important. So yeah, uh, Happy Sad Man. It's out in Australian cinemas at the moment. Uh, just like every other Australian film, go and see it on the opening weekend to show that there is a market for this kind of stuff. Take your friends, take your family, take uh, your best mate. Um, enjoy it. It's a beautiful film and have a good discussion afterwards. And don't be ashamed of talking about uh, your your emotions or your mental health or you know if you're having a dark day and you don't know what to do or anything like that. Um, reach out to people who are by your side and uh, and lean on them a little bit. And if you don't have anybody, I haven't had people in the past, then again, Lifeline, 13, 11, 14, they're a great place to help out. Um, yeah, happy, sad man. Go and see it. Thanks, guys. Uh, I won't do the usual spiel that I end up with these things. Just go and watch this film. I would really appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. I'll see you in the next episode. Uh, bye. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary.